Around Comics, Episode 4. Thank you for listening to another episode of Around Comics, where every week we assemble a new panel to discuss topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and let me introduce you to this week's panel. On your iPod, from left to right, as always, he is my partner in crime and the producer of the show. He is Brian Salazar. Hey, what's happening? And next for our panel... A very big welcome. On their own, they are mere mortals, but together they are uniting Earth's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. They are Bry, Peter, Shane, and Jamie. They are Comic Geek Speak. Welcome to the show, Thank guys. Thank you for having us. Hello. Great to be here. <laughs> guys, welcome to the show. This week we are talking about the Internet and how it has affected our role as fans in the medium. Uh, I wanted to start out the discussion a little bit uh, with creator and fan forums. So I'm going to throw it over to uh, to the geeks. Um, how have forums affected your role as fans? I think we get the information a hell of a lot faster than usual. And there just don't seem to be any secrets out there anymore. Everybody knows just about everything about everything. Well, that's certainly... That's certainly something you, you come across a lot. Is is there? You know, so many things get spoiled before they're even solicited. You know, you, you fans are finding out about it before they even, you know, have a chance to keep a secret. Well, one one of the things I see in forums is that they are very cranky places. But your guys' forum, the the Comic Geek Speak forum, uh, has developed a reputation as being a very Fan friendly and and very easy place to uh, to post and get information. What part did you guys have in fostering that? Because it is a rarity. Well, when we before we ever did the show, we had our own private forum for like you know five or six or ten of us in Reading here, and and then when we started the show, we said, well, let's try a forum. Show should have a forum. Let's try it. Let's tell them right up front the rules. And this is what we want to do. And so we did it, and we kind of policed it a little bit in the beginning, and then everyone seemed to like it, so then they kind of started self-policing. And now that's the way they like it, too. So what makes it work, I think, is everyone's enthusiastic about a place that is unlike all the other places. Have you guys visited any other forums out there? I know that uh, um, Brian and I had spent quite a bit of time on the Bendis board, and it is it is a different creature. Um, you guys, uh, what are your other experiences with other forums out there? I go on the uh, Toys Forum, and now there's a new one that I go on, uh, Thetis Maximus, which is kind of some of the people that are from Palisades kind of went on. And... Um, those are good forums, but I stay away from creator forums. I've never found it a good experience where I've been on, so I'm, the, the forums I go on are very the ones we run. Absolutely. I know that uh, Sal has one of my favorite forum stories uh, on the creator side. Um, Sal, you want to um, share the story that you have uh, about Alex Malev? Sure. Um, I was on the Bendis forum. I, I've been on there for a couple of years now, and um, it is a different type of place, but in general, I mean, there it's actually a really good group of people. I mean, there's some, you know, obvious strange things that happen there from time to time, but 
overall, it's it's a really good group of people. But anyway, one day I had uh, posted some artwork. I draw a little bit here and there, and I had posted a, a Daredevil drawing, just a pencil drawing that I uh, was working on. And um, Alex Maleev happened to see it, and he actually downloaded it, downloaded the picture, redlined it, and then re-uploaded it with a bunch of comments to try and help me out to make it a better picture, which I just thought was an amazing thing, and it blew me away, and I went and talked to him, or I emailed back and forth with him about it, and it was just pretty amazing to have the guy that was drawing Daredevil at that time to sit there and, and comment on something that I had done at home, and um, and it really uh, you know was impressive to me for him to take his time to do that, and, and that's just sort of you know the connection that fans can now have with a lot of these creators that make themselves more available on on the internet it's pretty amazing yeah, Jamie cool. I, I know that you've been reading forever uh, can you imagine 20 years ago being able to contact someone like John Byrne like that it, it, and you think about how much it's changed what we do yeah I mean that, that, that is a really neat thing um, just to be able to actually do like thoughts and uh uh, you know, day-to-day things with either, you know, Peter David now has his, has a great uh, block spot, and uh, I know Byrne has his own, and it's just amazing to be able to write a letter and real and know that, you know, you're, you're pretty sure he's going to actually read it and even sometimes respond. I mean, to me, that's one of the great things about our forum right now, uh, especially with, like, Mike Norton and... Uh, <clears throat> just recently, Maury Hollowell, when they put some of their art on the forum, just be able to see some of that stuff that they're just out there doodling and then just be amazed at some of the talent that's out there and to be able to get feedback to them right away and say, hey, that's great, and have them say, well, thanks. That's, that's just one of the amazing things right now about the Internet is just now the closeness. I mean, you complain about getting spoiled and all that kind of stuff, but just the closest, I think, is, is one of the great parts right now. Well, what's, what's amazing is that it's, it, it is actually kind of just in comics, you know. I'm a big baseball fan. I go to a lot of, you know, baseball forums. I, you don't have players. I know, I know it was a big deal out in Boston that Schilling posted on, on the Red Sox forum, but in our in the industry that we pay attention to, it is amazing the amount of um, companionship that the creators show with the fans and how close they hold them to that. So the forums have have been an amazing place to actually connect well, with the creators. And I know that creators appreciate it too because you know years ago they would get us you know they might get people writing in letters here and there and and comments that kind of thing. But I can't remember who it was. Someone was saying you know one of the one creator from you know, the 80s and 90s was saying they had no idea if they were, you know, popular or if the stuff they were doing was well-liked or not because they had no connection with the audience. And now it's, you know, if, if you do something good, you get instant gratification from it because people are telling you. If you do something bad... Or, in, or instant criticism. Or instant criticism. So it works, but I think, you know, most creators think that's good because it helps them try and make a better product. I think on the bad side is that fans tend to want something right away like 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 we were at the one show in baltimore and people were talking at the panel about 52 what comes after 52 well well why don't we worry about getting to 52 first <laughs> not so much going so far ahead. you know give, give us time to, to resonate and, and work through people would want to know what happens who would want to know what happens next you have a whole there's worth of stories to find out i think that's the genie the unfortunate genie that we can't put back in the bottle is 
is that we know sometimes we know too much going into our comic reading. Um, I know personally I stopped reading X Men Deadly Genesis because I know too much about it from solicitations, from message boards, from um, you know Previews. any kind of interview, and it has just it actually destroyed my enjoyment of it. I stopped reading it. I, I I'm, I'm just going to wait for the last because at this point I know too much. I think, you know, to go along with that's something that I don't think we're ever going to go back to. I mean, we're never going to be blind to stuff that's come out, and I think some some of, some of the enjoyment is destroyed for me for that. Well, it's it, is a, a, it is a double-edged sword. It is because, the you know, the, the companies obviously are using it to their advantage to try and promote their products, but, you know, it's getting to the point where they're you know, the hyping him so much, they're giving away so much information. And especially for people, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys order your stuff from DCBS and, and you're a month, you know, you're you're only getting monthly shipments or whatever, and you're, you're a month behind or you're, you're reading trades, waiting for trades. And it's like there's, it's almost impossible if you pay any attention whatsoever to, you know, news boards or message boards to, to not, you know, find out about stuff that, that is coming out that you won't read, in, you know, for a month or two months later. As much as you try. Well, um, yes, we're actually two months behind when we order. So actually, by the time I order, I almost forget that <laughs> I ordered. And I try to make I make sure that I don't go to certain form threads that have things that I don't want to be spoiled about. Um, but I think, and this goes back to our form, um, when we say we don't like sports, we mean it. And that doesn't mean, that means you just can't, just because it's, we're talking about Teen Titans in one thread, don't talk something else in that thread because one of us is going to white out or whatever. And I think uh, that kind of fact, um, uh, uh, I don't know what the word right word, doesn't exist on a lot of other forms. But they don't care. They just, they just post it up there and it's uh, either don't read it or, you know, be spoiled. Well, it's, it's something, you know, we've obviously started to become more aware of it since we started doing the podcast. I know you guys are are very strict in your no spoiler, you know, uh, podcasts and and it is a difficult thing to work around because you want to talk about the books but you know, to some point you're 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 limited in what you can talk about because you don't want to spoil anything for anyone. You don't want to, you know, give away something because you don't want to ruin someone's enjoyment of it. Listen to AroundComics.com podcast new every Monday. For once, you won't be lying to your parents when you tell them you're not looking at porn. Kind of jumping in on, on that and transitioning over to uh, a next point, which is the news sites and how important places like Newsarama have become for a place for fans to go and try and get those little nuggets of information for either storylines or, more importantly, like creative teams and new titles and whatnot. Um, that in the last, what, 10 years has become a huge part of the industry. Uh, what, the guy that uh, runs Newsarama is, you know, really a pretty powerful guy in the industry now. Well, you know, it's yeah. funny. I just saw yesterday, I was reading, um, I don't know what, I, I was reading a, some independent title. I think it was a Boom Studios book, and there was actually ads in there for both uh, CBR and uh, Silver Bullet Comics. Both those websites had ads for their for their for their websites, which I, I I think was the first time I've ever seen that. But if it gives you any indication of of you know how how much traffic those sites are getting, 
well, the, to the CGS guys, do you guys check the new sites with, you know, I know a lot of people go in and that's one of the first things they do whenever they log onto their computer in the morning is, you know, go to Newsarama or, you know, go to, you know, Ain't It Cool or, or any of those. Do you guys surf the, uh, the news sites pretty hard? I go to Newsarama every day. It's <laughs> old habits die hard. No. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I stay away from Newsarama um, unless uh, I see a thread on the first uh, feels like the interview or something like that because I again I with Peter I don't want to to be spoiled I don't want I I read enough and right now the previews like he is saying the previews stations are telling me more than I really want to know so I try to stay away from the news. Especially if anybody is a Daredevil fan out there, I am so mad at previews because I feel oh, yeah. like this arc is just absolutely ruined for me, and I'm not going to repeat it because I'm pissed about it. Um, oh, so, I know. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think exactly I, I think those guys are smarter. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I think that's a red herring because I we'll don't. see. <laughs> well, we'll see, but I, I mean, I think they're they're starting to almost use it to their advantage. Some, you know, it's like. Um, what happened with New Avengers this week, and uh, and and um, they're almost using that to their advantage to just get hype because they know if they if they you know if if a big title comes out a big you know issue comes out and someone dies in it or apparently they're you know someone's going to die in it even if they don't it gets so much hype from the internet that it's perfect you know it's a perfect way to to market you know the relaunching of something or 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 whatever you're trying to do i almost think you know marvel in some ways is starting to to get a hang of of using people that are you know on the internet to hype their stuff do you guys do you guys over at cgs feel that that both the, the big two are starting to use the news sites to to throw out some misinformation yes yeah i yeah, i i, I, I but um, I think every now and then, like when they um, when they get up, thought it did about Spider-Man, and then they gave a picture, and then next you know the New York Comic Con. From the time when the sketch was presented to the New York Comic Con T-shirt, it's not very long at all. There's no way you can tell doodling that. And, hmm, I like that t-shirt. They knew that in advance. So I think they're 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 just using it to build excitement, using it so that people talk about it. Next thing you know, it's a t-shirt. Everyone's going to buy it. Even the ones that hate the company, they're going to buy it. So yeah, I think they I think they use it to their advantage. Bry, do you have anything on that, or Sal? I should say, since uh, we have two Brys in the house. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that they're starting to. To get a hang of it and and know that if um, if they leak something or sort of leak a little bit of maybe misinformation, they can manipulate you know the response enough to to really get you know to get everybody up in arms about it and get people talking about it. Regardless of what really happens, they they know they'll get people talking about it. It'll be a, a huge story. It'll it'll be all over the place, and it's a perfect way for them to try and uh, you know sell more comics increase that buzz yeah well moving on from uh from news Actually, uh, we can i go back to oh something? yeah go ahead um to connect to forums and the news the news sites i think um something that's happening is we uh, fans readers 
are, are arguing about things before they start reading comics. So they start prejudging a lot of these comics, um, and a lot of these debates happening around things like fun news like that won't, we were not reading for months. So I think you're getting, I think you're getting forms this overwhelming feeling that some of these forms are not in the case. It's because everybody has too much knowledge, but nobody knows if it's 100% correct. And instead of judging a book after you read it, a lot of these news stories and a lot of these uh, uh, form flame wars and things like that are happening be because of what? Because of notions. And that's the kind of fandom, you know, fanboy mentality I, I know we personally go up against. Um, you know, stop prejudging things. Don't, just because you see something in uh, Friday or Gideon said, it doesn't mean it's 100 Absolutely. Why would, you, why would you want to wait to read something to judge it? <laughs> it's so much easier to judge it before it comes out. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, you know, something else I was thinking about too is that there's a negative effect of having this, you know, closeness to the industry and to the creators in that there, I think, you know, from the people that, the, the, the percentage of people that read comics to the people that are online every day and commenting and, and posting on forums is probably pretty small, but they have the biggest voice with the comic book publishers because they're right there. And, and, you know, in some ways it can be detrimental to the industry and to what's being made because they're listening to this very small group of people that, you know, like you said, are prejudging things, are going out of their way to comment on, on, you know, what's happening three months from now, and they're using that to, you know, to try and figure out what to do next. I think there's almost too much of a closeness there because they're not far enough away from their actual fan base to to make clear decisions on what they should be doing with their their characters. Now, I'm not, you know, that's obviously a very generalized statement, but I think in some ways that, that, that that's happening right now. You guys, do you agree with that? It's I, I'm not for sure if uh, if I see that you know they're bowing to the the culture of the fans out there as much as you know we might think that they are. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, we're never going to know the numbers, but um, you know that whole thing about sometimes when you meet your favorite actor or your favorite singer, they're not quite what you thought they were going to be like. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that same way with creators and. With fans, with readers, you know, um, I think discussion is not in everybody's a lot of times. Um, more so, that they they'd rather show off what they know or discredit somebody else's um, thoughts and things like. That. And again, as a general, but sometimes it's true. Let's, uh, let's move on from the news sites and touch on something that we, we talked to uh, at length in our first episode, and that is online comic book ordering. But I want to lump that together with digital downloading of comics as far as being two ways that comic fans can now have comics delivered to either their doorstep or to the other side of their computer. Um, how has that changed the way that we as fans get our comics? Well, I'd like to chime in. The, the whole digital comics thing, I'm a guy who has been making his career on the Internet for 12 years. Something on the Internet, I can find it. I can get it. I know about Bitcoin and IRC 
uploads and all kinds of news group stuff. If I wanted to get good, I, I have absolutely no interest in it. I, I, I got one, one bunch of PDF files, the first two pages, and went, screw this, this is a pain in the butt. I'm not interested in this. So to me, digital comics has in no way affected my comic uh, habit. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of mail order for the simple fact that it's, you know, I can get more comics for my money, so that's what I'm going to do. And that's as, that's as deep as the argument goes for me, and that's as much thinking as goes into it. If I can get more comics money, I'm going to do it every single time. Yeah, I, I agree with Brian. Same thing. It's, it's cheaper to get more comics for... That's exactly my thought process. Well, what Same I see here. with combining online ordering with fan forums whenever I was growing up man it was I was 13 years old and had like one friend that read comics and I had to drive like you know 30 miles or have my parents take me like 30 miles to the comic shop now I mean you can be like seriously a 12 year old kid in Missoula Montana and if there's not a comic shop there you can get your comics delivered to you there and you have a whole community online that you can talk about them with and that's that is what is so vastly different now than 15 or 20 years ago it's a lot easier to be a fan I think you have that within um, Star Wars Star Trek any fandom have that closeness now where you can just go out and find any number of just to feel or inside of a group to talk about it Going back to uh, to one of the points you're talking about, digital comics, and and I completely agree. I mean, I, um, I I've also earned my living on the internet for quite a number of years now, and and um, same thing. I if I wanted to go out and find digital comics to download, I would. I don't because I don't prefer to read them on a computer screen. But I do think that there certainly um, there are people out there that will and are obviously doing it now but I also think that people will if, if there's a viable alternative you know, that they would pay for, that they would do it and, and there is some sort of market there for digital distribution of comics and I think that the major publishers are sort of falling short from that at this point in not offering that to, to their consumers. What do you guys think about that? I think Marvel tried that a year or two ago they had um, a bunch of discs that you could get number of toy stores and they had X amount of comics on them and they, they never sold very well in the stores now that was a couple years ago um, I can see where if you're trying to accumulate say every Marvel comic yeah you could have a resource where you download the comics and save them on disc so you just have the ability to read them if you want to um, but otherwise I'm, I need to hold it in my hand time it is, to me, it's a tactile uh, copy that you want the comic in your hand. There was just a solicitation for all of the Avengers comics on, I guess, CD-ROM, and I looked at it for a second, and as being an Avengers fan, I still thought, no, I'm not going to get it. I, if I want every comic, I want every comic. And even if I have to buy it coverless, chewed up by a dog... I still want that comic in front of me rather than a disc to put into my computer. I think your opinion is right there with a lot of other people. And we're actually probably foreshadowing to a, a future episode where we're going to talk a lot more about downloading comics. But one of the uh, one of the ideas I have is is that you 
from the publisher, you offer that as a downloadable comic, and they're going to have the pristine version of that, you know, whether you make it a PDF or whatever. But I think it's very important to add a, a lead back to your local brick and mortar store. You know, if you download it for 99 cents, that you include a coupon in that download that you can print out and take it back to your local comic shop for the 99 cents off that same issue. So you can preview it. You've got no skin in the game if you if you download it. And if you like it, you go to the comic shop and you're you're really only paying for it once. And uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that in future episodes. But I think that if the two big companies can get their crap together, I think that's the way that things are going to go. Well, when you do talk about that, um, just remember that CrossGen actually have a program like that. Not not with the coupon, but on comics subscribe to for, it was out. It was like two bucks a month or something like that. Oh, yeah. And you could read whatever you want to read, wanted to read. Um, but I can't say that was very I don't know why it's held. Uh, maybe it's because it was cross-gen, it was too new, too new of a company, but that might be something to research. Well, I think also it's, it's you know, the quality of it. I, I think in not that far of the future, you're going to see better quality uh, e-book readers and that kind of thing. You know, there's companies, I know Fuji's working on a digital paper, which is, you know, a, a paper-thin uh, screen that you can download um ebooks to that kind of thing that has the the definition of of printed of the printed page because right you know i think that's a big part of it now is you know is, is people don't want to read a comic on on a, a computer screen it's just not the same thing and it may be generational too i mean we're all relatively old fans uh it can compared to you know a 15 or 16 year old kid that's and doesn't know anything else but downloading songs to his ipod and and uh, you know, reading uh, everything from the news to to whatever else on on his computer screen. So it may just be uh, as time goes on that younger generation takes over more of the uh, the, the onus of that. But um, I think that kids, I think that's entirely possible. The larger format Palm Pilot you can download it and it's still the same general size as a comic book would be. I think that has the potential for like my kids into doing something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think I I think you will certainly see it. It's just a matter of when. Um but you know, going back to the you, on the on your forum, I remember there was a there was a huge thread at one point about um downloading comics and it you know, it got mired in in all sorts of opinions and and <laughs> legal bantering and everything else. But one of the things I brought up was if you're a small publisher and I this was directed at Dave Wachter, the forum member and and everybody knows him from both your podcast and ours um as the artist of scar tissue is that if you're a small publisher wouldn't you want people to download your work as much as possible wouldn't you want people to get it in, or to get it in as many hands as you possibly could as opposed to trying to make up the money that you know on printing costs uh, as opposed, you know, as opposed to printing two thousand copies of something and and trying and working extremely hard to try and you know recoup that printing cost, wouldn't it be better as as a small publisher, as you know, as an indie guy to to just get that in as many hands as you can to get your name out there and your well, work I, seen? Well, I, I know Dave's answer to that, and the answer that he would give is no, and at the very least, if so, he wants it to be his choice, not somebody else's. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think 
that it, it, the same argument is occurring around MP3s and and, and same with you know small indie bands. And what that is showing is that the indie bands who do release their music, whether you have to pay for it or not, but then if it gets traded around illegally, the more there, that MP3 is on the internet and exchange, the more popular that band gets. And whether they're making money off of it or not is beside the point. Their name is getting out there, and so it should be the same. The same formula should hold. It worked for the. It worked for the Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just so many examples. Uh, there's a band right popular called Clap. They, yeah, they were they were nobody, and they they gave their, their which you have to buy. You can of course find the MP3 fine, and and some blog reviewed them, and another blog, and another blog, and another blog, and the next thing you know, I heard them. They played one of their songs on NBC's show The Office. So you, they, and they're still not major label. They're just an indie band because their MP3 distributed illegally free on the internet, and then they got their music played on The Office, and you know they got a fat check for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I, I wasn't. I wasn't even talking about illegal. I mean, if I'm. If I'm a small-time publisher, if I'm a, a you know an unknown artist trying to break into the biz, I'm you know I'm making a digital comic and trying to put it in as many hands as I probably possibly can, because you know my hopes is not to try and make you know, I mean the percentage of people that make their own small independent <coughs> comic and actually make it big from that first comic is is probably zero percent you know there may be one you know there, i don't i can't think of any off the top of my head but very few ever do so what you know isn't your your plan necessary you know shouldn't it be to try and just get your name out there and get seen and, and have your work seen and have it done and not worry about you know trying to to live off of that first or you know first product that you're putting out there yeah, well, I I think that that you're right, but then again, it all comes down to distribution, and until the big two figure out a a good way to distribute web comics in a downloadable format that pleases everybody, it, it's it, the genie's out of the bottle, and it's not going to work until those two get behind it, and they're going to have to do it together. Or it's not going to work. Listen to AroundComics.com podcast new every Monday. For once, you won't be lying to your parents when you tell them you're not looking at porn. I want to talk to uh, the experts here because another neat new thing that uh, has cropped up on the internet in the last couple of years is these crazy podcast things. Why don't, uh, why don't you guys over at GeekSpeak tell us a little bit about these? Oh boy, I guess I'll take that. I read an article last year, I think it was February's Wired that did a whole article on podcasting and Adam Curry and, and it was the first time I ever, ever heard of live my life on the internet it was new to me but of course it was interesting we went and downloaded and started listening to Adam's show and, and checked out a few others and said geez we should do this so then I talked to Peter and then it spread from there and then you know we spent hundreds of dollars on equipment and you know we have a successful podcast and uh, it, it, it's hard to even talk about it knew that I don't know how much said but it, it is we we've been pleasantly surprised that has built around it the connection we've made and the way that people have emailed us saying that they've helped get back in the conversation. that's very exciting that we never thought about it, but that it clearly now our main goal 
get people to read period well you guys reach literally thousands of people every week like three times a week i don't you guys put out like four and a half hours of podcast a week and and sal and i look at each other and go yeah they're, they're crazy they're, there's there's no way and uh, the the way that Comic Geek Speak has grown and just the the fans from you know Australia, you guys have the world domination map and and you're well on your way to dominating the world. But how neat it is that you guys have taken a, a medium and given fans a voice. It's uh, the big draw to to Comic Geek Speak is I think that it reminds a lot of fans like me about going to the comic shop and hanging out with your friends and it's a it's an hour and a half of talking about comics and it's a really simple idea but you guys have done a great job of uh, refining it and making it entertaining for what are you guys on like you know 8,000 episodes now <laughs> it just seems like that <laughs> Hey, let me ask you guys. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that you you've probably already exceeded what you you thought you might ever you know accomplish with your podcast because it is grown so much and 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 you know you guys are out there so much now. When you first started, you know, did you have an idea of what you thought you might be able to accomplish? Well, you know what? For me, when Brian and Peter first approached of us, for me it was just oh, I get to hang out with my friends and talk comics. Something we used to do a lot at the comic store, but now I get to do it at home. And and this is normal conversations that we have every single time we get together. So it was just a, a cool way to hang out with my friends some more. Yeah, when we started, I had I had absolutely no idea of what our goal was, other than to try it and see what happened. You know, you were the thought that maybe a few people somewhere might listen to you was kind of cool. It was like, oh wow, I'm 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 famous to 10 people that's exciting you know or whatever <laughs> and and then as it started to grow we started to realize that to change our mindset and, and reevaluate things and, and and decide to make go of it and, and try for bigger and better and, and make the show something that people really enjoy as opposed to something just hearing ourselves talk well, I have to say personally, I have to thank you because if it wasn't for your guys talking about Infinite Crisis, every every issue of Infinite Crisis you do a special uh, episode on, I would have no idea what's going on in that thing because <laughs> even as a fan of DC for a long time, I there's so much going on in those issues, and you your uh, episodes have helped me through those so much and appreciate it and enjoy it so much more just from listening. And I think that's what you know you guys do so well is. You know, give so much more information about comics and tell people what's out there that's good, and and just help them enjoy something that they may not be doing enough of. And that's to go back to our first topic. You know, we want to celebrate what what makes comics good and what makes them bad. You know, it's not just one or the other. And in a crisis or like that, again, it's a reaction to the comics and that excitement. You get and you want to talk to something about, uh, uh, so you could talk to someone about red, and that's what I think makes podcasting cool from all across the board. Your podcast, from our podcast, from Neil Gorman's and, and Chris Collected Comics Library, all those they're reacting to comics and reacting to comic news, not doing the opposite, prejudging and things like that. So I think that's really powerful. You're hearing our voices. You're hearing the inflection of voices, 
when you post on a forum, you know, sarcasm is lost on a forum and, and um, things like that. So you're hearing us, you're hearing our reaction, and I think that's what makes it really so cool and powerful. It's it's really amazing because you know you guys you've been running for what about a year and a half now. Just actually March third or something will be our one. Well, it's amazing how much how much you put out. But you know how weird is it that in a year and you you fast forward from last year and if someone had said um, in the next year you're going to interview people like Stan Lee. And by the time that a year passes, people are going to look at you guys as comic experts. How weird is that? Extremely weird. It's very <laughs> surreal. I knew it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> For me, like, I said this before on our, our cast when we were out in San Diego, and we got a chance to talk to Peter David. He's at his what just opened the floodgates because we've. We actually got to talk to somebody who was. We had, we had talked to some other people, some other peripheral, um, you know, people in the industry. But this was that was the first time we had gotten a chance to sit down with somebody who, if you said Peter David, just about any other comic fan, they would know who you were talking about. Had a chance to talk to him, <laughs> and, and to me that was just amazing. That, that was just great, and that just opened everything else up, I thought, I think, for us, that we, we finally got some credibility, and, uh, you know, we got some stuff off of that, um, and just meeting the, the fans out in San Diego, too, I mean, that was the first time we had sat down with, like, two or three fans, and just the appreciation I could see in their faces, and in their voices when they talked to us, it just, it blew me away, and I knew we were on to something bigger than I thought we would ever make this. I mean, I, I thought if we got a preview copy of a comic read uh, sent to us from some you know, and, uh, little company, that would be great. Uh, but, you know, I mean, now we walked in, I walked in the door today had like two or three preview copies of comics they want us to read. Uh, we had so we ordered for uh, ourselves and all this kind of crap is sitting there. I'm going to walk home with an uh, armload of stuff when I walked into this place with nothing it's all because of the podcast. And, and now you've got these, like, hyper-obsessive people sending you, like, queen and country volumes and, uh -huh. and Yeah, novels. I know. They, some people just won't let it go, you know? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, so I want to thank you guys, because, uh, you know, going back to Wizard World Chicago last year, I, you know, got a wild hair up my butt that, you know, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and talk to a couple, you know, crazy creators, and, you know, I may talk to nobody, but uh, we, uh, Sal and another friend of ours, we got together and it's like bought a really cheap dictator, went out to Wizard World and just started talking to people, and it's like halfway through the day, we started realizing that these creators are like really like nice people and it was really easy to walk up to someone like Greg Rucka and say hey can I interview for, you for this podcast and just ask you a few questions and I'm like oh yeah absolutely and you know it was kind of that decision that you know we looked at each other and said you know what we we could do this so you guys inspired us to do this podcast almost a year ago and it's uh you know it's really to your credit that you know that's kind of you know expanding out and and you guys are inspiring other people to to do this and that's it's awesome so thank you you're welcome <laughs> thank you chris for all the <laughs> so are, are you are you done with uh with the gentleman's game yet 
Yeah, I finished his novel. It was is great. It? And soon I'll start to trade. Oh, get uh, get Private War, the second novel, even better. I'm all right, all right. That's week. enough Queen of Country talk. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. Aroundcomics.com, your source for discussion, news, and reviews about your favorite comics and creators. New podcasts available every Monday. Go to www.aroundcomics.com. Barefoot Software Asia Limited, a leading mobile technology and application development and licensing company, this week launched MComic 1.9, a comic book viewing application that provides highly engaging and customized animated viewing for comic-style content on the Series 60 platform. MComic enables comic artists the ability to provide their comic books or collection of comic strips onto the Series 60 smartphone platform. Barefoot Software is now accepting submissions from independent comic artists for a new service. For the first 100 comic book submissions, with a maximum of 10 pages per book, Barefoot will package and publish each comic book for $50 U.S. Under the Barefoot the Contact Licensing Agreement, Barefoot and the artist will enter into an equal revenue sharing agreement. At WonderCon last weekend, Frank Miller talked about his upcoming Batman graphic novel. The project is entitled Holy Terror Batman, a reference to Robin's frequent use of such expressions in 1950s Batman comics and in the 1960s Batman TV show. But the content of the project is hardly silly camp. It sees Batman battle Al-Qaeda. The plot sees the terrorist organization attack Gotham City, leaving Batman to address the group out of a desire to defend the city he loves. Miller says that the work is a piece of propaganda along the lines of World War II comic books. Superman punched out Hitler, offered Miller, so did Captain America. Miller added that he can't stand how Hollywood and American publishing have lacked the guts of their 1940s counterparts who had the courage to stand up to Hitler. Holy Terror Batman comes from the gut, said Miller, and should serve as a reminder to people who seem to have forgotten who we're up against. In response to this announcement, several media outlets began covering Miller's project. CNN ran a piece ironically juxtaposed to images of the 1960s TV show. MSNBC covered the project on a number of programs, in one case over imagery from one of Schumacher's Batman movies. It seems that Holy Terror Batman has struck a chord playing with the role of entertainment in the post-9-11 world, while also playing with the superhero and with Batman's own history. To pay homage to some of the world's most well-known crime fighters, Fayetteville State University will host a month-long exhibit dedicated to comic book art beginning with a reception at the Rosenthal Gallery on February 17th at 7 p.m. Entitled Blam, the exhibit will showcase at least 40 framed comic books and scanned excerpts. Original sketches and at least one rare lithograph will be on display. The exhibit is dedicated specifically to superheroes from 1963 to 2006 and will run until March 24th. Part of putting on this show is getting people to understand it's not just for kids anymore, said event organizer and FSU art instructor Jonathan Chestnut. The exhibit will feature a panel of speakers on February 26th beginning at 2 p.m., including experts on Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, and comic book evolution in the last 40 years. There will also be a superhero film series including Elektra, Daredevil, Mystery Men, and the original Superman starring Christopher Reeve. For more information, contact Contact Jonathan Chestnut at 910-672-1309. 
Caliber Comics, the independent comic book publisher that helped launch the careers of many top contemporary comic creators, including Mike Allred, Ed Brubaker, David Mack, Brian Bendis, Mark Andranko, Michael Lark, Patrick Zicker, Jim Califori, Mike Carey, and Jim O'Barr, is making a return, but not as a publishing company. Gary Reed, the publisher of Caliber and also one of its most prolific writers, is overseeing the resurrection of numerous Caliber properties in a number of different venues and media. Desperado Publishing will be involved with the relaunching of many Caliber titles. According to Reed, Joe Pruitt, publisher of Desperado, hasn't taken over all of the Caliber properties. It's more like a first-look deal. Reed has also fashioned an agreement with Comic Works under which many of the Caliber titles will be available online and then collected as e-books for distribution to bookstores. Raven Chronicles, Seeker, Helsing, Troy, Magus, and other Caliber titles will start appearing as daily online strips starting in late February. According to All the Rage, the buzz on the floor at WonderCon last week was that Howard Chankin is working on a new six-issue miniseries for Marvel. There is an artist rumored to be attached to the project, Ryan Sook, who just finished a four-issue stint on X-Factor. It's currently unknown if the mini will feature new creations by Chankin or use existing characters, but Marvel's editorial team are said to be very excited about it. An internet cafe owner in Tokyo and two other people were arrested Tuesday on suspicion of violating the copyright law by posting comics on a website without the consent of the authors and publishers, police said. The arrest, the first in Japan related to the online distribution of manga, came after the cyber patrol unit of Fukuoka Prefectural Police examined the website dubbed 464.jp in October. The three are suspected of scanning comic books and storing the data in a computer server in the same building as the Ota Ward Cafe so they could be viewed on the internet. Police the three have owned up to the allegations. The manga site was set up last summer and has drawn around 3.3 million page views per month, according to police. <laughs> Would-be criminals beware, you don't want to run afoul of Deputy Lou the Incredible Hulk Ferrigno. The former bodybuilder and star of the 1970s TV show no longer turns into a raging green monster when he sees people breaking the law. But since being sworn in Monday night as a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Reserve Deputy, he has the power to arrest them. I'm having a blast, Ferrigno told the Associated Press after his swearing-in ceremony. My father was a police officer with the New York Police Department. I've always had a high respect for officers, he added. I want to give back to the community and want to work with young kids, help them get off drugs. Ferrigno, 54, began training to become a reserve deputy last September after passing a background check. He completed training in firearms, first aid, and high-speed driving techniques and was recognized as an outstanding trainee by Sheriff Lee Babanka. Ferrigno, who will serve at least 20 hours a month, suffered a partial hearing loss in childhood that will result in his being assigned to duties that likely won't result in his having to make arrests. Instead, he'll focus on helping recruit new deputies and work with the Sheriff's Youth Activities League and the Special Victims Bureau, which assists abused children. The people at DC Comics are hard at work putting together the Absolute Sandman edition, but it looks like they could use your help. Creator Neil Gaiman recently said on his website, I just got an email from Scott Nybicken at DC Comics. Scott is editing the Absolute Sandman series, and there are a few pages where the black plate on the film is damaged or not easily usable. I mentioned to him that there are people out there with original Sandman art pages, and that some of you reading this might have the pages he needs. So he sent me a list. If any of you have any of these original pages, can you get in touch with Scott? Visit AroundComics.com or NeilGaiman.com for the list of wanted pages. <laughs> Avi Arid recently sat down with the Associated Press and discussed why fans are still waiting for the comic book superhero Captain America to make his appearance on the big screen. Arid thinks now is the perfect time to unleash Captain America onto the public in multiple mediums, including an animated DVD, a new comic series, and a film that is currently getting penned. 
Last year, Marvel and Paramount Pictures agreed to team up to distribute a slate of Marvel-produced flicks featuring their characters. Still in development, many questions surrounding Cap's live-action treatment have arisen from flag-waving fans. Without giving too much away, obviously there'll be a little bit of the origin, and then we come into our real world, Arid said. What makes Captain America such a compelling character is that it allows you to judge history so you see where we came from and you see where what he stood for. One of the things our movie is going to deal with is what happened in 60 years, says Arid. Which would be better, 60 years ago or now? Within, obviously, a kick-ass plot and all the stuff that you've come to expect from a superhero movie. It appeared that in New Avengers number 16, released this week, a certain Canadian-born supergroup had met their demise. Or did they? In a cryptic and grammatically challenged post on the Brian Michael Bendis message board, the bald one sent fans speculating about a possible relaunch. If they're not dead, and the stage is set for a major relaunch that returns them to their former glory as a premier team book by an A-list creative team after the underwhelming last series, Bendis mused, fans jumped at the idea of a Bendis-written Alpha Flight. Unfortunately for them, Bendis did add, and I am not writing an Alpha Flight comic. I know, thank God, eh? Joe Casada, in his weekly Joe Friday's column, also confirmed that the Alpha Flight stories are far from over. <laughs> And those have been your weekly comic book headlines. For more information on these stories and others, please visit www.aroundcomics.com. And there's your news. All right. Way to go, Sal. Um, Let's uh, go over some of the highlights here. Um, holy terror, Batman! Any thoughts on Batman uh, going after Al Qaeda? Not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> has uh, Has Frank Miller lost his mind? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, I I know uh, with uh, with All Star Batman, which has come out to uh, mixed reviews. Uh, for Frank to to go back to the Batman well, I, and I know going back to what we talked about earlier, which is not judging a comic until it does come out. Um, it just looks like uh, like Frank has been looking at uh, at Batman through the Sin City spyglass for a while. So we will see how this one works out. Well, he should be careful. There was already a Batman about him being a vampire. What say that again? There was a holy terror, but but that wasn't the vampire one. That was me. Oh, oh. was a vampire. Holy terror was one where he was like a priest. It was uh, the Church of England, I believe. That was one of the first um, Elseworlds Elf- 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 titles. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's why um, you guys are the best, man. Only, only you guys pull that kind of stuff out. Only CGS knows. <laughs> That's why but we we're here for. I have that issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ne- okay, next story. Uh, Fayetteville with their Blam exposition. Um, looks like uh, with the McFarlane exhibit in New York at MoCA and now Blam at Fayetteville, they're just comic exhibits all over the place. I think it's a great thing. I, I, I love to see more and more uh, people taking the medium seriously. Um, it's, you know, had such a stigma for so many years. And to see people uh, prominently, you know, placing it up there with other art forms, I, I think is a great thing. It, it's as a longtime fan, it's nice to finally see, 
something that I've loved for so long get get some respect. But now that it's in the South, in this exhibit, does that mean that they're going to be able to um, have Max titles framed on the, in the exhibit, or will they not allow those? Because it's in the South? Because it's in the South, which is where they can't sell a lot of the Max titles. Oh. I don't know. I... <laughs> Which is why Supreme Power is going to regular Marvel and not uh, not a Max title anymore. Is because a lot of the the Southern uh, distributor or the uh, the Southern local comic shops cannot sell Max titles because they will get sued for selling adult content. Which, if you look at the Legal Defense Fund, which the guys over at CGS um, actually help out quite a bit, uh, I think something like ninety or 95% of all of the money for the legal defense fund is all spent in southern states defending local comic shops. So, just a little tidbit. Um, Howard Shaken and Ryan Sook teaming up on a book. Uh, I don't know if anyone else out there has read X-Factor, but uh, Ryan Sook's art, I know that you guys had talked to one of the editors at uh, Marvel in the last week and had uh, had worked with Ryan Sook on X-Factor, and this must be the project that he was alluding to as to why Ryan Sook is not going to be on X-Factor anymore. Looking forward to it. I mean, I, I'm enjoying his artwork on X-Factor, so I'll see what he has up his and I, I pretty much get anything Shaken does, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't go wrong with, with him as far as I'm concerned, and with both those guys. Well, I've loved I've loved Sook's work on X Factor. That's been a real sleeper book for uh, uh, for this year. I know it was Sal's top of the stack a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to miss Sook on that book. But if he's working with Howard Shaken, then it's got to be good. Uh, next headline: uh, the manga bust. It looks like somebody is finally paying the piper on illegally downloaded comics. Uh, uh, why is it always that manga leads the charge in in whatever it is? <laughs> <laughs> Good or bad, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't. I, well, I think it's just because it's a bigger culture involved in it, <laughs> so the odds are. Um, yeah, it seems like. I mean, it, it's it's certainly out there, and everyone knows somebody that's doing it. So it's just a matter of time before uh, people start cracking down. I, I think um, you're going to see more and more of this kind of thing. Well, I hope it gets into the states, not just Japan, that they uh, start busting some of the people doing this. So we shall see. Um, Lou Ferrigno, um, show me your driver's license and proof of insurance. Thoughts? I really couldn't care. <laughs> I had to Google when I come up. Lou, if you've, uh, I think if you've ever... Case, but I'm gonna, I'll hold off. Uh, Sal, thoughts? Uh, uh, arrest by the Hulk? Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be doing a whole lot of arresting. I, I think you know it's it's a neat little PR move by the uh, Los Angeles deputies department, but you know you're not going to see see him uh, working the beat. I don't think anytime soon. Uh, does it make anybody else feel see. old knowing that uh, Lou Ferrigno is 54 years old? Oh yeah. And he's in way better. He's in way better shape than I am. That's for sure. Twenty five years, twenty years older than I am. I just want to see him on like a, a bus and then you know, don't make me angry. Don't make me angry. Don't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> so, do 
Do any of you guys over there have any uh, um, stray Sandman pages you want to send to Neil Gaiman for the Absolute Editions? If I had them, I'd be happy to do it, but I got Bubkit there. Yeah, I just I wanted to add that in because I, you know there, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about today of, of of the internet and bringing fans and and the publishers and the creators closer together. It's you know he just throws it out there on his site just because they're trying to put that that absolute edition together and uh, and it's just like I said a perfect example of of how uh, the internet can be a good thing. Absolutely. Happy um, Arid talking about Captain America. I know that Ultimate Avengers, uh, the DVD comes out this week, so we got a little cap coming to uh, the cartoon market. Sounds like they're getting ready to get him on the big screen and uh, really start exposing Captain America. Uh, Jamie, I know that you're probably the biggest resident uh, Captain America fan. You ready to, to see Cap as long as uh, he's not played by David Hasselhoff? <laughs> Anything, I mean, either that or uh, the motorcycle with the shield, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the Italian red skull, or um, just, just, just as long as it's done well. Oh, I mean, good Lord, it's not, it's not hard to mess that one up, but then again, look what they did with Dolph Lundgren and the pun. So. Yeah, they can find a way. If you had to <laughs> cast, if you had to cast uh, Cap, who, who would you cast as? As Steve Rogers. I never good this. Um, I know. I would almost say years ago, and even though he's not, you know, blonde hair and blue eyed, um, like some somebody along the lines of, of, of almost like a Bruce Willis type, a you know, strong, silent. Old, I mean, if Gary Cooper was still alive, older, right? But, but you know, if Gary Cooper was alive, along those lines, I just I don't. I don't know who's out there right now. How about how about Vigo Mortensen? Yeah, isn't he everything? <laughs> well, that's true. He isn't everything, but I was I mean, just Aragorn, something. <laughs> Aragorn's captain. Uh, you know, I, don't know, I mean, he's he's king. He's not a captain. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, we're probably giving out some mild spoilers. Uh, has everybody read the latest uh, issue of New Avengers? Nope. 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 <laughs> All right, we're going to skip over that one. <laughs> um, some people die, and... Uh, wait, and, wait, and, wait, wait. Uh-huh. You don't know that. That's, yeah, that's and, presumed, and I, that goes back to my entire point about Marvel using the, the Internet and the news websites to, to promote something. You don't know that anyone died. You, you have no idea if those characters are deceased or if they're unconscious or... Or what they are at this point. So, yeah, well, I, I think the real story there is that, like the next day on the Bendis board, uh, uh, Brian Bendis was there saying, "Uh, uh, 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 not so fast," and it, you know, once again showing that kind of uh, communication that he holds up with uh, with his fans. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but uh, don't want to spoil that one. Um, that is this week's news. Thank you guys for uh, giving your opinions on those. That means it is time to move on to our weekly uh, top of the stack reviews and recommendations. Top, top of the stack. 
Ah, top of the stack. This is our weekly opportunity to let you, the listener, know what we have been reading and hopefully check it out. Uh, my top of the stack this week is actually one that I picked up because of the Comic Geek Speak podcast. A couple months ago, they interviewed Paul Pope, and he talked about his upcoming project, Batman Year 100, which did come out this past week. It is under the DC imprint. It is written and drawn by Paul Pope and has a cover price of $5.99. But it was worth every bit of that $5.99. If you have not read anything that Paul Pope has done in the past or seen his artwork, he has a very beautiful, loose brush style to his artwork, and it adds a very grit factor to the work. Uh, Batman Year 100, I will put this in Paul Pope's words. Uh, Gotham 2039, a murdered federal agent, a contingent of Washington's best spooks hot on the suspect's trail amid the chaos of GP... GCPD's Detective Gordon, grandson of former commissioner Gordon launches his own investigation and discovers that the man they are chasing is a man who shouldn't exist at all. This book is going to draw obvious comparisons to Batman The Dark Knight Returns, and I think all those comparisons are going to be in a very complimentary way. It is not a straight lift from Dark Knight Returns, but it does place you in a future version of Batman. It is dark, it is gritty, it is very, very entertaining. And Batman Year 100 is my top of the stack this week. Sal, what you got for us? Uh, my top of the stack this week is a small independent book called Elk's Run, uh, issue number three. Uh, it's put out by Horse and Buggy Productions. It's written by Joshua Fielkolf and uh, art by Noel Tuazen and colors by Scott Keating. Um, it's a it's an interesting independent title. It's not uh, superhero related or even at this point it's not um, mystical or magical or anything. It's about a small a uh, coal mining town in West Virginia and the people that live there and as the story progresses it's it turns out to be that the town's not exactly what it first appears to be it's something uh, a little more sinister um, and, and definitely strange the f- I have to say the first two issues I, I read them the first issue it has a big shock value sort of uh, element to it something happens in the town one of the, the, the people there uh, this young boy John and his friends something happens between them and another uh, member of the town and it causes uh, a series of events from that point uh, the second issue was um, more of a retread it had some some uh, flashbacks and history of some of the main characters uh, mostly John's father uh, who sort of is a leader in the town uh, and it wasn't great uh, the first two issues I, I really didn't care for all that much. This book had gotten, on the internet at least in some circles, it had gotten a lot of press and people were talking it up quite a bit. Um, I wasn't all that impressed at first when I, when I read the first two and, and I almost didn't even read the third one uh, but, but I'm really glad that I did because the third one, the story really starts to take off and it starts to progress and you really see um, how living in this town, in this situation, has affected the characters. Uh, most notably uh, John's mother Sarah and how she deals with 
with the situation that they're in and and the third issue really starts to move the story forward and even the artwork seemed to progress from the first issue to the third um so much i was i was so impressed with uh that progression it went from amateurish and and simplistic uh to being more professional polished uh still simplistic and but more um insightful uh, it, it just lent itself so much more to the story by the time they got to the third issue. I was really impressed with it. So if you if you read the first one or, or the second one and, and put, it, put it down and didn't pick up the third, I highly recommend going back and getting the third issue because it was, uh, it was much better than the first two, and I can see this story really going in an interesting way. Uh, and, and if you haven't picked it up, uh, go, go check it out. Go ask your uh, LCS to pick it up. All right, and then over to the CGS side. What are you guys reading these days? Um, I can talk about that. It didn't come out last week. Okay. No, oh, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, Pete Wood on Catwoman. It has a... It sort of reminds me of Collins if he was a, a little more detailed the coloring and, and, and just the design work and layout. Um, and I can't believe I'm reading Catwoman, but I've been, and I'm really enjoying it. And I just realized as I read it, uh, about four issues leading up to 250, I really like artwork. And, and I'm not sure, I haven't done research yet to see what else he's before this and after it. Um, but uh, I'm, he's, he's kind of on my radar now. So for a purely artistic reason, um, I would recommend Catwoman if you enjoy that kind of artwork. I, I haven't been reading it. Can you give me an idea of what the style of it is? I, I, I may have missed it when you first said it, but um, can uh, you relate it to if, anyone else? Or If you if you know Scott Collins in Flash or Marvel Team-Up, um, it's more of a collaboration, I should say, between Scott Collins and his inker and whoever's coloring it sort of has that uh, wash tone effect to it, and the coloring is, is seems lighter, and it makes it seem, um, I don't know, I don't know if pulp is the word, but it just makes it, it gives it a different harder quality than the photorealistic uh, artwork that's there, and I really enjoy it. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I picked up Daredevil this week, and I had not read any of the uh, Bendis Malev run. And I picked this issue up, and until I read previews, I was very satisfied. Um, I actually was quite angry at how the issue ended, not because of how the story was, because I wanted to go in there and beat the piss out of somebody, because <laughs> I didn't believe it. how they were doing it. It was great. I, I really loved it, and I was so I hopped into the previews, and I'm a little disappointed. That's what I read this week. Yeah, I was extremely yeah. Im- impressed on that on that book. I'm sorry. Go go ahead. No, no, that's all right. I was just going to go next. I didn't realize anybody was going to talk again. Um, and as far as what I'm reading, I'm just trying to catch up on a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, I'll tell you what I just finished up today. Uh, I finished the last two issues of Fables, which is just one book that, if you've been listening to our forum. Uh, or the podcast, and you know that I, it's one of my favorite books right now. 
and uh, I just I loved the last two issues. The uh, the uh, I believe it was forty seven um, or forty forty five or forty seven. Which number uh, wound up the whole Arabian Nights storyline, which was fantastic. And uh, there was then they there's a harder which started uh, which takes place in the homeland uh, with uh, one of the uh, wooden soldiers, kind of a love story. It was it was an interesting uh, take. It's a different artist. It's not uh, it's not um, I can't think of his name now. Uh, Mark Buckingham. It's a, a different artist, and um, I'll interested to see how it winds up. But that's just one book that hasn't disappointed me from day one. And aren't reading it and are just listening to this podcast. Go out and get it because it's a great great book. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one because mm-hmm. we love that book. And and actually, Sal said, you know, this week for Top of the Stack, I, I'm thinking about doing fables. And I was just like, oh, man, it's, you know, everyone knows they should be reading that book, don't they? You know, because <laughs> if you don't, you, you're not listening to us. The book is so good. It, it is. And that last issue was, I, I really enjoyed that. And the, you're right, the Arabian Nights uh, arc was great. The way they ended that was just so so good and and but that that issue with the wooden soldier uh, that something about that just touched me it was amazing to to care that much about a fictional wooden soldier <laughs> which is just strange but it, it was so well done and and interesting to read and especially the ending was just heartbreaking when you realize that uh he couldn't get what he really wanted mm-hmm. although but you never know i mean something could happen towards when the second part say i don't with the second part, if they're going to just let it kind of end there, so um, but you're right, it was it was touching. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and he's making you care about one of the enemy, which is what Willingham is good about. Yeah, you know, I, w- I was flipping through some uh, some old long boxes the other day and pulled out my. Uh, you guys remember Justice Machine? Mm-hmm. It's, yep. And I was like, oh crap, it's Willingham. <laughs> oh yeah, and then that, that guy's been around that's... forever. Yeah, the, the Elementals is a really good series. If you haven't read that one, definitely go dig those out. Yeah, I love that series. So, Bri, you're you're going to tell us about Queen and Country now, right? Well, I I, I, <laughs> I, I can talk about the novel, but not the comics because I didn't get to the trade yet. But uh, I'm not twisting your arm. You can tell us about whatever you want. <laughs> I was going to mention uh, X Factor. I just read the newest issue mm-hmm. of that, and. You know, it's so far the series has been very good. Uh, the story is very interesting. This big mystery that's happening, and some new characters that we've never seen before, and uh, the artwork is great. And uh, Peter David never disappoints. And any comic with guy is a winner. So, I mean, check it out. You, so, have I you started you. walking in to like you know talking to Tosh and go, "I'm Brian Deemer. I know things." Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, wanted to throw out a big congratulations to you, Brian. By the way, uh, on the uh, yeah. on the the new family edition that'll be coming soon. I, I'm a father of two, so uh, I know what you have ahead of you here pretty soon. And and uh, good luck, and and I and uh, you know just congratulations on it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, is that is everybody done with their their top of the stack for today? Yep. 
Yep. I think that's it. Well, I, I would like to thank uh, CGS, not just for being on this podcast, but inspiring us to do the whole darn thing uh, to begin with. It has uh, been a pleasure. Uh, we look forward to every episode that you guys put out, all 8,000 of them, and uh, uh, continued success, and we would love to do this again sometime. So you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys will, uh, will indulge us with that again. Anytime. Yep. All right. And another big thank you, um, which uh, kind of wraps into visiting us on our forum. If you would like to post your thoughts on any of these topics or anything else, go to our forum, which has been uh, so pleasantly hosted by Comic Geek Speak. Go to comicgeekspeak.com, click on the forums, and then go to the Around Comics podcast and post your comments there. <laughs> If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same, bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics.